0: Support for this episode of 9 to Thrive HR is brought to you by BetterWorks. BetterWorks provides enterprise software to easily manage strategic plans, collaborative goals, and ongoing performance conversations to help high-performing companies run their business. To learn more, please visit www.betterworks.com. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of 9 to Thrive HR, a podcast produced by HCI, where we discuss some of the most pressing issues facing talent management today and help surface ideas and solutions to those problems by speaking to experts and practitioners in the field. My name is Randy Kenny, and I'm your host for today. I'm joined by Michael Bungay-Stanier, author and senior partner at Box of Crayons. Michael, let's get started with a little more about you. Can you tell our audience more about yourself and your work at Box of Crayons?
1: Of course, and thanks for having me along, Randy. So Box of Crayons is a company that helps organizations and people do less good work and more great work, and we're going to dig into that, I'm sure, in the podcast. Our speciality is helping busy managers and giving them practical skills so they can coach in 10 minutes or less. So that's what Box of Crayons is about. I'm the founder. Um, and a little bit about me, well, I'm Australian, hence my outrageously good accent. Um, but having left Australia 25 years ago to be a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford, where my only noticeable achievement was falling in love with a Canadian, I now live in Toronto, having lived for a while in England and then in the States. I sent up Box of Crowns about 15 years ago.
0: And Michael, in your work, you're really devoted to helping managers become better coaches. What does it mean to you to be a coach, and why is it that important?
1: Well, that's a great way of framing the question because it allows me to say something I'm really passionate about, which is we're actually not trying to turn busy managers and busy leaders into coaches. Because honestly, if you say to lots of people like that, hey, we want you to be a coach, they kind of curl up a little bit on the inside. They're like, you know what? I'm a normal person. I'm busy. I'm just trying to get stuff done. I don't have time to be a coach. And I'm like, you know what? That's great. There's plenty of coaches out there already. Let me help you be more coach-like. And here's what I mean by being more coach-like. First of all, you don't have to kind of come with that baggage that sometimes coaching arrives with. You know, sometimes it's like I'm the shouty sport coach or I'm the touchy-feely HR coach. You don't need any of that. What coaching boils down to is simply how do you stay curious just a little bit longer, and how do you rush to action and advice just a little bit slower? Because here's the thing. Managers, leaders, individual contributors, everybody listening to this podcast, they are advice-giving maniacs. They love to give advice. They don't, they don't even know what the problem is, but they're rushing in to tell people and suggest to people what they could do, how they could help, what the solution might be. And I'm saying with seven good questions, this is at the heart of my new book, The Coaching Habit. With seven good questions, you can slow down that rush to action and advice. Stay curious just a little bit longer. And that's actually going to help you work less hard but have more impact.
0: And how would you say coaching helps people do less good work and more great work as you define it?
1: Yeah, well, let me, let me set up the definitions of that really quickly. So I say everything you do falls into one of three different buckets. It's either bad work, good work, or great work. So what's bad work? Well, I mean, it's an important thing to know we're not talking a measure of quality here. We're talking about a measure of impact. And what I say bad work is, and I'll be really kind of blunt about it, it's the mind-numbing, soul-sucking, life-crushing work, that work that makes you go, oh my goodness, this is my one and precious life, and I am somehow doing this. What the heck just happened? So you know, it's, it's bureaucracy, it's too many emails, it's those terrible meetings that make you go, that's two hours of my life, I'm never gonna get back. That, that's bad work. Good work is your job description. So it's important, it's productive, it's efficient, it's getting things done. It's kind of what your boss wants you to do, what your boss's boss wants you to do. So it's important, and people need to do good work. But the challenge with good work is there's just so much of it, and it kind of just consumes you, consumes all your time. And in doing so, keeps you stuck in a bit of a comfortable rut. I mean, I know people these days, everybody's a little busy, everybody's a bit overwhelmed, everybody's a bit stressed. But most people are just trying to swat the mosquitoes of good work rather than focusing on great work. And great work is the work that has more impact and the work that has more meaning. And those two things are important. Impact kind of serves the organization better. You know, how do we make a difference? But meaning serves the individual better. You know, what lights me up? What do I care about? What gives me meaning in the work that I do? So as you say, you know, we try and help people do less good work and more great work. And coaching is very powerful for that because coaching or being more coach-like allows you to figure out what to say yes to and what to say no to. It actually also, if you're the person asking the questions, being more coach-like, it actually reduces the amount of work you're doing because so many of us are busy leaping in and working and fixing and doing other people's work for them rather than focusing on the great work of our own. So I say that coaching is one of the key drivers to bring focus, encourage and, and resilience and you need all three of those focus courage and resilience to be able to do more great work
0: excellent michael let's talk a little more about that you mentioned earlier that coaching comes with some baggage so i want to talk about mm. that a little bit as we think about great work in many situations needing or wanting coaching can have that negative connotation it seems remedial people might think it means they're bad at something What's a way to start a coaching conversation that really paints the experience in a positive light?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And I think sometimes coaching still does come with some of that baggage, which is like, this is code for you kind of suck, and we're trying to fix you. Um, What the good news is, as I've been watching this over the last 10 or 15 years, that Preconception, I think, is getting less and less. Lots of people go, you know what, my senior executive team, they all have coaches. You know, elite sports people, they all have coaches. Oh, look, the high potentials in my organization, oh, they all seem to have coaches. So, more and more, I think, in our organizational life, people are seeing coaching either as a kind of valuable support or just as a a required and necessary form of leadership and management that helps get the best out of people. So, there's two answers to your question. The first is that, you know, these days it's easy to frame coaching. If I'm going to come and coach you or I'm hiring an executive coach or a, a regular coach for you, it's actually easier to say, look, this is because you're, you're, we have high hopes for you. We really think you're doing well. We think you can do even better. We're going to support you in this transition or whatever it might be. But for us at Box of Crayons, our big thing is to say, look, we're helping busy managers be more coach-like. And actually what we say is that if you can't coach in 10 minutes or less, you don't have time to coach. But if you can coach in 10 minutes or less, and that's what we help people do, then you can make coaching part of your every day of working. And what's cool about that is that you don't even need to start telling people, oh, hey, Randy, I'm coaching you now. You actually get to say, look, I'm just showing up and I'm staying more curious as a manager and a leader. So if you're looking for a great way to start a conversation And get into it more quickly and have a more powerful conversation my favorite question the kickstart question i talk about in the new book is actually what's on your mind what's on your mind is a really powerful way to say to the other person look rather than me setting the agenda you get to choose what we talk about you get to actually point us in the direction you'd like this conversation to go but you know what, let's talk about something that matters, something that's important, something that's exciting, something that's going wrong, something that's kind of overwhelming you. Let's go to the real thing and let me help you and support you there.
0: I love that you open there with that question, what's on your mind. You alluded to this a little bit earlier in our chat, but I wanna get back to it. Um, You have a particular opinion on giving advice. Could you share a little bit about that with us?
1: Yeah, I've got some strong opinions about advice giving. The first is there's just too much of it. (laughs) There's just a lot of advice that goes on. And here's what you need to know about advice. The first is people just don't listen to advice that much. I mean, this happens at at a neurological level. You can actually scan people's brains and you can watch them. You can watch the difference between the brains when they receive advice. And honestly, not much changes in the electrical activity of the brain. And the difference when you ask a good question, a question that creates an aha moment, you can actually see new neural pathways being formed, new connections. Literally, people are increasing their potential before your very eyes. But here's the other thing. Two things tend to happen. The first is there's a seduction in most of our organizational life that we think that the first challenge that shows up for people is the real challenge. And honestly, it almost never is. The first time somebody goes, this is the thing, It's almost never the actual thing. It's just their first go at it. So step number one is to stay a little curious a little bit longer. And we've already talked about the kickstart question to get us into it. What's on your mind? But the other question, the question that might follow that, the focus question, is to stop. And rather than believing them, just simply ask them, okay, if that's what's going on, what's the real challenge here for you? And then you can follow up. You stay curious. And I'm going to give you one other question that will help you stay curious. And what else? And what else is the real challenge here for you? And what else is the real challenge here for you? And then you get to ask them again, so what's the real challenge here for you? And here's what's amazing. When you ask them the second time, the challenge has shifted. It's not the same as it was at the start. Because you're giving them just that little bit of thinking time, they're actually going to get clearer and deeper and more specific about what's really going on for them. And why that's important is this. First of all, if you'd started giving advice to solve the first problem, you'd be solving the wrong problem. And then the second piece, and I'm so glad you asked me about this Randy, is the second piece is your advice just isn't nearly as good as you think it is. (laughs) You want it to be great, but it's just actually not that great. So now you're busy offering not very good advice to solve the wrong problem. And that's not leadership in any useful way. Now, to be clear, I'm really not saying never give advice because there's obviously lots of occasions where advice solutions is exactly what's required. What I am saying, though, is if you can just slow down the rush to action and advice, if you can stay curious just a little bit longer, that's actually going to make you a much more powerful leader and manager.
0: One phrase I've heard you mention quite a bit during our chat here today, Michael, is stay curious. Maybe that's the Mm. answer to this next question, but uh, I'll ask it anyway. Um, (laughs) If you could uh, coach our podcast listeners for the next minute or two, what would you share with them? What's something that they could maybe try out or do that could help them move from doing good work to great work, even as soon as before their day ends today?
1: Well, I love that. I love how you're suckering me in. My, having just made me rant about why advice isn't very good, you're now asking me to make, offer up some advice. So knowing all of that, you know the first piece of advice is never trust anybody else's advice. But if you're looking to focus on less good work, more great work, let me give you the question that's at the heart of that. It's a strategic question. And it's simple to ask. It's difficult to answer. And the question is, what will you say no to so that you can say yes to the stuff that matters because I'm willing to bet that almost everybody listening to the short podcast has too much stuff on their plate. They have too many priorities. They're trying to do too many things and they're hoping that they can just work harder, be a little more productive, a little more efficient. Maybe you'll get on top of everything. But the truth of the matter is you're never going to get on top of all your good work. It's just, it's just too much of it. And the more you do, the more it kind of builds and generates. So what you need to do is bring real focus to this work, and focus is about saying yes to something that matters, what your great work might be, and then to follow it up and say, if I'm truly saying yes to this, is this really is the work that has more impact, the work that has more meaning, then what must I say no to to make that a real decision, a strong decision, a credible decision, rather than just adding one more thing onto your impossible list of to-dos?
0: Michael, I can't imagine you speaking with such passion on that topic without having undergone that experience yourself. Could you share with us a story about maybe something you said no to so that you could say yes to something else and what the results were?
1: Well, you know, they, they say you, know, you have to teach what you most need to learn. And um, I find this a struggle myself. I'm, I love the bright, shiny objects. I don't know if you've heard of SOS, shiny object syndrome. Well, I suffer from that. I'll give you an example that's made a huge difference in my life and in my company's life. You know, Box of Crayons is a training company. And what we do is we do one thing and we do it really well. We say we help busy managers. We give busy managers the practical tools to coach in 10 minutes or less. And that's all we do. Now, we get rung up all the time. Can you do leadership? Can you do innovation? Can you do creativity? Can you do strategy? Can you do all of that? And it is really tempting to say yes, cause you know, I know a bit about all of that stuff. I could run programs on that. I could make some money, which is great. I could help clients out, which would be great, but rather we've said, okay, we want to be really known for one thing and doing one thing really well. So we've decided to say yes to owning this space about helping busy managers coach in 10 minutes or less, which means we have to say no to all these tempting other offers that want to pull us away from that focus.
0: Great story there, Michael. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here today to chat with us about great work and coaching in the workplace.
1: Randy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for your time.
0: We'd also like to thank all of you tuning in and encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel, HCI Talent. Lastly, one more thank you goes to BetterWorks. Without their generous support, HCI couldn't deliver great content like this. If you're interested in learning more about what we discussed in today's episode, you can find more resources at hci.org. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of HCI, this is Randy Kenny.